You're listening to the Buckeye Visualist Podcast Show. It's the Buckeye Visualist Show, a podcast for members of the Ohio News Photographers Association. This podcast focuses on photojournalism, of course, which is a topic you must care about if you are listening to this. So please save the ONPA website link at onpa.org and stay tuned to our monthly shows. You can find them on the podcast page on the website. I am your host, Lori King, and joining me on this 14th episode is freelance photographer Ariana Graney, who graciously came to my recording studio, in quotation marks, for this in-person recording. Ariana, thank you for fitting me in during your vacation to Detroit and Toledo. You flew in from Arizona, so thank you for taking the time to share your story with our ONPA members. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Why am I chatting with someone outside of Buckeye Land? Because you never know where you'll end up with a camera in hand. So every now and then, I want to highlight different regions of the country so you are aware what it's like to work outside of our own backyard. A few quick bio facts about you before we delve into the questions. Uh, You are an Arizona State grad. Uh, You double majored in journalism and political science. That will make sense when you get into your freelance gigs in a little bit. Your photography career is quite eclectic. I mean, it's all over the place, not specializing in just one or two things, but many subjects, politics, sports, and the environment. And we will get into all of that in the next 30 minutes. So let's get started. My first question is one I ask every guest on the show. Are you a Buckeye born and raised? I am. I was born in Toledo and lived here until I was about 13. And my family moved to Arizona to be closer to my grandparents. My dad was traveling about 180 days a year, so my mom got tired of taking care of all of the snow and the leaves by herself. So we moved out to Arizona in 2006 to be closer to my grandparents. My dad was working for Merritt's Market Research down in Maumee, and he was on the road like 180 days a year. And my mom got really tired of taking care of the house with the leaves and the snow basically by herself. So we moved to Arizona where we don't have leaves or snow to take care of. (laughs) Some people would be envious and uh, some people don't want to be dealing with the heat. Right now, you don't want to be envious. It is 118 back home. I hear it's going to be hotter this weekend. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how I can stay here for a couple more days. (laughs) I bet. You're going to freeze here. Uh, Can you tell us uh, when you first knew photography was going to be a career? Uh, Do you have a defining moment when you thought, this is it, this is what I want to do with my life? Um, There were probably a couple of them, actually. So the first one would be during my junior year in college, I had been going through journalism school and questioning whether I really wanted to move to a small town and do all of that when my family lived in Arizona And I met ASU's team photographer in athletics, and his name is Pete. Pete was looking for an intern. He had just taken over the athletics contract. And so I was introduced to him by one of the sports information directors. This guy has this amazing career, and he's been able to build it here in Arizona. And maybe I could be good at photography. I've always liked 
taking pictures. I had a camera when I was five. My dad won a camera from a soccer contest when I was 13, and I claimed that as my own. So I've always, I've always had a camera around. But it probably was then when I met him and realized that, oh, he's, he's making a livable wage at this. And in journalism, that's, that's a rarity. Then the other one was probably when I won my first Arizona News Press Association Photographer of the Year. That was like, okay, you are pretty good at this. From there, I just kind of fell into freelancing. Did you win that when you were, when you were a student? Uh, no, I won that for my first year of work after graduation. Okay. Did you work for the student newspaper? I did a semester half. It it was not a good fit at the time. There was there was some people who were not supportive of me and my career and it was a very competitive area. So I started working more with Pete. Uh, when you were a journalism major, were you on primarily the writing side of it? I was a broadcast major, but... Once I, my first college professor in journalism 101 or the print writing class was a sports writer. And he gave me a credential for the Arizona Republic and was like, here, go shoot football games. And I was that kid in high school that didn't go to football games when I was a student. So I'm like, why do I want to do this now? But I loved it. It was so much fun. That next semester, I really wanted to continue to shoot. And I wanted to continue to shoot sports, but the Republic didn't cover winter sports or spring in the same way that they cover prep football. So I ended up reaching out to ASU's gymnastics team and saying, hey, I'm a former gymnast. Can I come shoot your team? This was way before teams had images for every single meet or game or match, whatever, whatever the sport is. And the woman was like, yeah, sure. Like, we'd love to have you. That season, I spent following the gymnastics team around. And it was the best season because I got to be back covering a sport that I loved. Let's talk about sports for a minute. You are the team photographer for both the Phoenix Rising Football Club and the Castile High School football team. Can you tell us about how you got into those gigs? And if you have a certain shooting style by shooting sports... First, I will tell you how I got on with the Castillo football team. I was on an assignment for the Independent, and I met a parent who asked me if I would be interested and able to shoot her daughter's soccer team. It was the first year of them having varsity athletics, and I said, well, I'm on company time now, but here's my phone number and call me later. I was allowed to freelance at the time. So I started with the women's soccer team. Once everyone saw some of the images that I was creating for the girls' team, I had other booster clubs reaching out to me left and right. So I like to say that the thing that started it all was girls' soccer. I've been with them now eight seasons. And from that first season of just having that women's daughter's team, I now am the team photographer for football, boys and girls soccer, boys and girls basketball, and baseball. And then I do cover our smaller sports, like maybe a game or two 
throughout the season. Usually they're senior night, other big games, but those are the game, the teams that I'm there for all of their games. For football, it is every game um, at the varsity level, and for everyone else, it's pretty much just their home games and then playoffs and championships, which we've got a lot of. <laughs> How do you handle your production? Everything I call into photo mechanic, pick the good, solid, as long as it's sharp. I post it for the kids and for our coaches. And then I move on to the next game. The way I got the Phoenix Rising job was that their previous team photographer had left and their marketing person knew that I could shoot soccer and shoot it well. And so he reached out to me and was like, hey, do you want to shoot for us this season? So it's been my first season with those players and that staff. And it's it's been a lot of fun because the goalie, my baseball team had a incredible run into the state playoffs and the goalie for rising would see my tweets about my baseball boys. My baseball boys are very special. Hi, boys, if you're listening. Um, he was following my tweets about how they were doing and so every single game he would come up and ask me like oh how's your team like are you in the semis yet are you in the finals yet and I just thought that was really cool as a as a pro player to take an interest in what a high school team is doing that at the end of season after the boys won their state title I asked coach I was like hey can you have the boys sign a baseball for Patrick and I'll take it to the game and give it to him and coach Denny was like oh yeah that's a great idea like that's so awesome that he's supporting us so I took that to the very next game and was like hey like my boys signed this for you and now it's in his son's bedroom on a shelf so just a really cool moment of like coming around and having kind of all of my teams intermixed in a way. It kind of just brings everybody together. Sounds like a lot of networking, who you know, social media outreach, a lot of work to get your name out there, shooting everything you possibly can. Yeah, so I've had so many different things come to me from just parents at Castile that have known who I am or like, hey, can you shoot this? Or hey, can you shoot that? And of course, every year there's like senior photos that some of my athletes want me to do. Um, One year I went out an hour and a half outside of Phoenix to an old mining town because a girl, her grandfather worked in the mines. And so she wanted like very personal photos. And basically my, I tell some of these parents, I'm like, you guys come to me because you have this crazy idea that you don't know how to make happen and I'll come up with something to like try and figure out a way to make it work. We went out to Globe and she loved the photos and we hopped a fence <laughs> into a into a building in a a park that her her parents had been involved with remediating the land and scared her mom crazy but the pictures were incredible so those are some of my favorite senior photos that we've taken but yeah it's it's just networking and people knowing your name and knowing your work and 
I'm not exactly the most active on Instagram. I'm trying to get better. I say that all the time and it never ends up happening, but I'm very active on Twitter. Well, you know, Instagram is the photography, social media go-to place. So I'm, I'm kind of surprised that you're more Twitter than you are Instagram. I think that comes from just on Instagram. It, it feels very like you have to be a certain way. And I, I know no, you, you probably don't. don't have to be, but it feels like that to me. And, and on Twitter, I'm, I'm very snarky and I allow my personality to show a little bit more. And maybe I should do that a little bit more on Instagram. Well, maybe you can be snarky on Twitter and then show off your work on Instagram. Because Instagram, you can have up to 10 photos without doing a thread. True. So you also have quite a university client list on your resume, Arizona State, Duke University Golf, University of South Dakota Softball, University of Oregon Women's Basketball, Army West Point Women's Basketball, just to name a few. But you're in Arizona. How do you do it and do you still do it? So a lot of it is from them coming to Arizona the University of Oregon, they were going to win the Pac-12 regular season title. And so they wanted me to shoot that game. And then like the trophy presentation that happened in the locker room. Duke also was from them coming to play in Arizona. It's mostly just from referrals from the university of like, hey, our team guy's busy and he works with two other people. Maybe one of them is available. So occasionally it'll happen. Um, I've shot for University of San Francisco. Took probably one of my favorite non-sports action photos. If you follow my Instagram, you know like I am all about the action. If they're high-flying, if they're hurtling, 100%. And the feature photos are kind of like less for me. And I took a picture of their former coach giving his daughter like the biggest hug after the game because they defeated ASU and it was it was a great photo. It was one of my favorites that is not an action photo. And I think part of why my feed is more dominant toward action versus having some of those feature photos is because for Castile, the parents and the coaches, they want every basically every kid, every play. So there's kind of less of that downtime or I, I feel like I can't miss as much. Whereas I shot a basketball state championship game for a radio station out of Flagstaff, Arizona. Their news director had reached out to me and was like, hey, like, do you want to shoot for us? And I was like, yeah, you guys, you guys are going to have like a crazy crowd in this old arena, like 100%. So Dave said, yeah, you know, the game is at this time and whatever. He's like, I don't care what you get. I just want good images. I was able to walk around the arena a little bit more, shoot from higher angles, shoot from different angles. And he told me after the game, when he looked through the photos one of his favorite parts about it is that there was a standout freshman whose name was Bella Burkar she's the daughter of the NAU basketball coach and you can see her de determination through the entire game 
And then when she finally like realizes, hey, we did it. We're state champions. She's celebrating with her dad after the game. So that had her story was told through the entire game. And I realized that for part of that with Flagstaff, they have a lot of Native American players. Arizona reservation ball is iconic. It's known throughout the state and they have arenas up on the reservation that seat 5,000 people and they pack, they pack the, the crowds in and shooting the crowds there gave me a little taste of that. And I was like, I need to go up to Round Rock or one of these other high schools, right? Like really on the reservation and just shoot that because the atmosphere is going to be incredible. I've, I've heard it's legendary from people who've done it. So what is your camera equipment that you carry around on the daily? So I shoot with Sony now. Um, I had a back injury at a, at a game a couple years ago, which kind of made me make the, the switch from Canon to Sony because Sony has a 200 to 600 that is so light. It is incredible. After that incident happened, it was something that I knew that I needed to do for the future of my career was to make that shift. After the incident, my back would hurt after football games. And I don't use a monopod. Um, It was one of the things that when I started my internship with Pete in college, he's 6'4", I'm (laughs) 5'2". Using a monopod between the two of us sharing gear, it just wasn't it, there was no feasibility to it. So he was like, yeah, you're, you're more than welcome to intern with me, but I can't have you use a monopod because there's no way that we would be able to take it off quickly enough. Cause we were just like switching cameras. And so I, I learned to shoot without it. And so I would handhold a two to 400 Canon. I handheld Pete's 600 millimeter F4 Nikon. The big monsters. The big ones. Yeah. Whoa. Um, and then. Crazy. And then I had a, a guy get a little weird and injured my back during, during that incident. And I decided that my career needed to have the longevity that it deserved and so making the, sh- the switch to the lighter Sony mirrorless gear was going to extend my career. It's funny you said that because yesterday I was talking to Denny Simmons. Uh, he is a, an icon in the photojournalism world. I'm interviewing him for a story for the NPPA news magazine about state organizations, news photographer organizations. And he said that if it wasn't for Sony, he might not have made a decision to stay longer in the field for that reason because he was doing, I think he was doing cannons. Or Nikon cannons doesn't matter, but it was too heavy. So I totally get what you're saying. I think you might have answered if you have a style or not. I don't don't think I did. Um, my style is definitely very bright, very warm. I like to show all of the action, the height of the action, but I like the colors boosted. I really like my colors very bright. It's one of the things that jumps off the page of my Instagram is just very bright colors. My style is probably very bright, very warm. I would much rather shoot a bright sunny day than a cloudy overcast day. I know that's not like photojournalism 
etiquette shooting in in bright sun but it's arizona we never get any rain it's 118 degrees at home <laughs> yeah that's the difference between ohioans and arizonans is we have to get used to shooting in the clouds and you have to get used to shooting with the sun yeah it is so crazy to shoot a soccer game in 118 degrees 115 degrees there's been a couple of football games at asu that i know the field temperature was over 120 degrees the michigan state game a couple years ago was so hot and humid that literally you could run your arm your hand down your arm and shake off the sweat and People don't realize how humid Arizona can get in August and September, but we have monsoons. So that monsoonal shift comes in, it gets ridiculously mm. humid and we get we've had dust storms. I've shot a dust storm rolling in over a football over a football game. One of my favorite photos ever, even though it was uh, a freshman game. And like it didn't get as much like play on social media as you would think. But you've seen the iconic Haboob images. I'm sure everybody's seen them. We had one come in and the team that I shoot for is on the Southeast Valley. So like normally we don't get that full iconic wall of dust, but it came in and I was like, oh, I got to switch to my wide lens and I got this line of scrimmage photo and it's, it's one of my favorites to this day. Let's switch topics and talk politics for a moment. What's the political climate like in Phoenix? Uh, but before we get into that, in fact, I just wanted to mention that you had coffee with the mayor of Tempe. He's in Detroit today. So you just had coffee with him this morning. How is that, by the way? So Corey Woods, mayor of Tempe, is actually here for a personal vacation, too. One of the cities that I do some of the marketing images for is the city of Tempe. And about a week before I left and he left, we were talking and about how everybody was kind of on vacation mode. And I was like, oh, where are you going, Mayor? And he's like, oh, Detroit. I was like, tells me the dates. And I was like, we were almost on the same flight. I leave a day before you. And I was like, we should totally get coffee and then tweet about it because it would be funny. And so... <laughs> Mayor Woods, being the good sport that he was, met me for coffee in Ann Arbor this morning, and we tweeted about it. I wore an ASU shirt really close to the U of M campus, so and I lived to tell the tale. I flew 1,800 miles for coffee with someone that I can see at home. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, what do you do for the city of Tempe? So I am one of their contracted photographers. I work with their public information department and they send me out to shoot any number of things from city events to um, photos that they need for city projects like one of the photos one of the projects that I just worked on was the water quality report that they put out each year um, I've worked on a homeless book so it, it could be really anything I've had some very interesting adventures with my city of Tempe people how long have you been working for the city of Tempe? The contract initially was awarded in January of 2020, mm. which is quite an interesting time. Um, I had had two assignments before COVID shut the world down. And then things started to kind of open up. And now I do 
several assignments a month for them. Wow. So you work day and night. Yes. (laughs) All the time. Getting back to the political climate. Arizona is a very strange place. Um, I will never forget the first Donald Trump rally that I photographed in Arizona for the Independent. I'd never covered a political candidate before. So talk about jumping right into the deep end. It was deep enough into the campaign where he had Secret Service because they did sweeps. And of course, being a freelancer, it's all my own gear. And I took everything with me because I had no idea what I was going into. When I was at The Independent, I was the only photographer. So I had no photo editor. I had no... Well, I had an editor, but I had no photo editor who had kind of been there and done that. And Pete, my mentor, he covers sports. So I didn't really have anyone that I could go to and be like, so what are we doing here? So when they had everybody leave their gear, some of the supporters started chirping about like, oh, look at all the media trying to jockey for a better spot. And I turned around. I was like, excuse me, sir. Some of us had to leave our gear in there and we own it, not our company. I know from my standpoint, I'm making sure that nobody accidentally or on purpose picks up my gear and takes it home with them. And that shut him up real quick (laughs) because I don't think he was expecting that out of me. It was a very interesting time. It was back in 2016. It was at Mesa Gateway Airport. Those mm. iconic Trump plane photos that I've, everyone saw. I've shot a few at the uh, Toledo Airport myself of, of him. It was a it was a trip. I would love to be able to say that I photographed a sitting president, but I have not yet because he was just a candidate. But I don't I don't know that I need to do that again. I kind of checked that off the bucket list. <laughs> <laughs> not not sure I need to add that back as well, a sitting president. Well, hopefully when Biden comes through that you can shoot. Uh, I mean, take a picture of him. Yes. <laughs> I, I've, I've been on the, the phone several times and said something about, oh, I'm going to shoot this or I'm going to shoot that. And people give me this really funny look. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm sorry. I'm talking to my best friend who, like, even though she's an athletic trainer, she speaks photo now. There's a movement now where... They're trying to get us to stop saying shoot and start saying making pictures, taking pictures <laughs> because and I, of the climate that we're in today. Well, and especially in Arizona. I mean, we are gun-toting fans out mm-hmm. there. They, you cowboys. Yes, we are the wild, wild west. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to talk about politics? I hope that things get a little less divisive on both sides because as much as I'm don't really describe myself as a journalist anymore I I feel like I'm more 90% PR I still have a very deep respect for journalism and what people are doing and it is a very important job and if people are continuously beat up the way that they are being beat up both by by both sides both sides are, are doing the beating. No one's going to want to go into the career. And the only way to make a difference is to have young people continue to come in and stay in and get that experience. How old was I when, I, when that Trump rally happened? 2016. I can't do math. That was what? 
eight years because you're a journalist <laughs> so i went to journalism school right we only know photography math <laughs> yes and <laughs> and one of my high school teachers he saw me three or four years into working at castile and he's like you're a photographer now like okay that tracks but like you know there's a lot of math related with that and i was like yeah but like my brain just does that like i don't have to sit there and try and figure out numbers it just i just know it but when you're teaching photography math to students it their eyes gloss over because when you first look at it it looks like algebra on the on a chalkboard i mean it is crazy and i i did for a semester oh that my. was i was, love teaching it's my favorite thing because i feel so smart <laughs> so last question do you have any advice for anyone breaking into freelancing uh, either through uh, connections or networking or the business sense don't be afraid of saying yes i feel like there's so many people especially that come right out of journalism school that see pr as this really bad thing the dark side yes it is the dark side it's not <laughs> But it is the dark side with pay. <laughs> we make more money in PR. I remember when I was in college, you were like a sellout if you went into PR. And I 100% believe that I am a better storyteller on the PR side of things. Especially for the city governments, I have a specific story that I have to tell. I'm going to use two Tempe examples. There was one time where I went out with a homeless outreach team and we needed to show the fact that they were doing outreach in the downtown area. Consciously, I have to think about one, not identifying the homeless people. You can't show their face. And two, showing the fact that our guys are out in the downtown area. So how do I do that? I show iconic city signs. I show iconic downtown buildings that everyone knows oh this is this intersection oh the guys are walking through mill avenue and fifth street the other one was a separate project for the city of tempe and it was a city employee and they wanted to show the employee working downtown um at one of the local parks but like a lot of arizona parks look very similar and the area that he he was repairing a bench so it was it could have been any bench in the city or in the state for that matter he had parked his truck in a way that i could see the tempe logo behind him that was a detail that i'd noticed because working in pr i had to but if i was covering the same story for journalism because I didn't have a photo editor, I may not have even thought about including that branding. I think it then made me a better storyteller, especially when you look back at some of those photos that I shot for the Flagstaff basketball team. I think with your journalism background as well, you probably have a better sense of ethics and truth than a, a marketing person who's never had an ethics class. Right. For all of the marketing photos, whether it's for Tempe or Queen Creek or Apache Junction, I don't change anything that's there or not. I don't Photoshop it. I might have someone redo something because I don't like the angle or I need to give them multiple different angles, but I don't add anything. I don't change anything. I don't take anything away. 
What about the business sense? How do you do your taxes? I hire a CPA that's actually based out of Toledo (laughs) because everything comes back to Toledo. (laughs) Everything. Um, one of, one of my biggest, um, supporters in this career is Christine Brennan. She's a, she's a big fan of my work. Also a good Toledoan. And I'm a big fan of hers. (laughs) She's such a great person. We we would need a whole separate podcast to talk about Christine. She has been a, a great support system for both me as a woman in sports, but then also for me as a woman in sports being a legacy because my dad is a soccer writer. That was a very interesting thing to navigate coming in. Initially, I didn't even want to go into sports. I was like, I'm going to go into political reporting and I'm going to go work in D.C. Thank God I didn't. Can't imagine covering D.C. right now. Um, But I, I met Christine when I was 22 at a conference in Phoenix and she actually told Leslie Visser to sit next to me on the bus and Leslie and I had this great conversation and at the end of the bus ride Leslie was like I didn't get your name what was it and I just gave her my first name I was wearing my name badge flipped the whole time like I didn't really need people to know who I was and I was like, oh, it's Ariana. And you can see the wheels start turning in her head. Why did Christine tell me to sit next to this like 20-year-old kid? And she's like, what's your last name? And I was like, Granny. And she's like, are you related to Tim? I was like, yeah, he's my dad. <laughs> and she's like, I'm really impressed that you didn't name drop that right away. And I was like, you know, I, I want to be known for my work, not for his. So it took me took me a long time to cover soccer now we do it together and now I'm Phoenix Rising's team photographer so you know the universe is laughing (laughs) my my first team at Castile was the girls soccer team and I was in Miami in 2016 and I was standing in the hallway talking to Christine and I was like you know Chris like I've embraced it like people are either going to know or they're not and I can't change their opinion of how they view me like that's that's on them I said, so I'm embracing it. Like, whatever, I'm not going to change their opinion. Who is Tim Graney? He's a soccer writer. <laughs> How big is he? If, if you're into women's soccer, you may have read some of his stuff, but you really have to be into soccer. Didn't you write a book? He did write a book. What's it called? Let's give him a plug. It is Beyond a Bend It Like Beckham about women's soccer. And Chris actually blurbed it and it came out in 2012, literally the year before I met her in Phoenix. It was a time. And then I sent her an email and I was like, I got a a new team job and it is the girls soccer team at Castile. The universe is laughing. And the first year that I was the team photographer there, no one knew. (laughs) I didn't tell it. I didn't tell our coaches. I didn't tell any of our players. And come to find out later about like the next summer, one of the dads was like, told his wife, he's like, you got, you got to ask her, you got to ask her. I'm pretty sure they're related. So she comes up and she asks me. And then of course that spreads like wildfire, right? Then our coach was like, why didn't you tell us? I'm like, cause I, I, me. You want to stand on your own. I need to be on my own. I need to be known for me. Well, thank you. Ariana Grande. <laughs> a girl actually threw to me in college as Ariana Grande. 
I have the video. It is, it is epic. Ariana Graney, uh, for taking the time to share your story on freelancing in Arizona. I hope it offered insight on the power and struggle of juggling sports and politics and marketing and whatever else you do to make ends meet. Uh, well, that wraps up another episode of the Buckeye Visualist. Have a great month. I am your host, Lori King. Keep enough two-point mind, everybody. You've been listening to the Buckeye Visualist Podcast. <laughs>